Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why am I with Seabus Super? Because I'm a builder and they take care of me. Well, I had an accident on the work site and they helped me out, no worries. Yeah, they helped me out real fast. Mate, they just get me. Because they are for all of us. Seabus, for all of us. To consider if Seabus is right for you, visit seabussuper.com.au for a copy of the PDS. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself And there's some stories I can tell you Here's the final word, Ashes Daily, Birmingham Day Zero Women's Ashes Day 10, I suppose we would call it Yep We're on the M5, we're... It's nearing midnight. We're, we're travelling back towards Birmingham, where we were this morning. Between times, we've been in Bristol watching Australia fall just short of completing what would have been a, a fine ashes whitewash on the women's side of the ledger. And, Jeff, before we do anything, I'm going to get you to tell me all about that particular game in 30 seconds. Of course, we're here for Seba Super. We are. The industry Super Fund. Uh, what, what are they doing? They're, 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 they're caressing us to the rope before because oh. because we're nearing the test series for the yep. men and they, they sure. won't be clearing the rope during that I don't think too often but Jeff maybe just solidly bit. defending your retirement on the front foot that'll do, that'll the, do. The, the M5 is the M5 the M5 is where Judy Dench works right in, in all the Bond movies well, what I know about the M5 is it's a song by sports team who we okay. featured on the podcast a few months ago mm-hmm. so it's, it's all coming together quite nicely alright uh, 30, right. 30 seconds for today's game do it England finally won something oh my god uh, an evil, even contribution of scores 5 scores between 19 and 26 that's how you do it they made 139 that's 7 and over Australia never really got near it uh, debutante spinner Maddie Villiers picked up 2 in and over uh, and Sophie Eccleston bowled beautifully at the end wasn't she great 
the, uh, the, the debut hot Maddie Villiers. She's been in the squad for these T20s, and I think the form she showed through the academy game and obviously what she'd done at county level got her in the squad, but it was a fairly bold call pricking her in the side, considering they'd been hammered by Lanning and then Perry subsequently in the first yeah. couple of games, and she held her nerve, created an opportunity with Healy with her second ball, a caught and bowled, put it down, but then held her nerve again and picked up Healy in the next over. Gardner two balls later. Fantastic start to her international career. And Sophie Eccleston, I've said it before on this podcast, she's already the best spinner in the world. And she's mm. 20 years old. She was outstanding with three wickets. So, yes, the batters, as you say in your summary, were, were consistent enough to get them to a, a credible total, mostly because of the two Yorkshire women, Catherine Brunt and Lauren Winfield, putting on 55 unbeaten at the death there. They were struggling before that, but it really was the bowlers that won on the game. Yeah, uh, it was. Look, I don't think it was a bold call getting Matty Villiers in. I think I think, it was a, I think it was a coward's call that they left her to the last game. They've, they've got these players around the fringes of the squad and they don't bring them in and they, they keep just picking the same bunch and it hasn't worked for them all through the series and it was too little too late. If they brought her in, you know, three games ago, maybe she would have produced that performance then and, and given them a spark then and, you know, to give someone a game when the series is dead, she played really well. I was impressed with her, but, you know, it, it doesn't speak that highly of the management of the team to me. Well, that's one way of looking at it. The that is one is, way of looking at it. The, the other is is that you reward players for contributions over a period of time. Aren't you the guy, Jeff, who usually says if someone makes runs, you must pick them in the next game? Are you uh, saying that we should sack players that have uh, I'm, been I'm World Cup winners and so forth? I'm saying if your team's been absolutely flogged uh, through each match of the series so far, maybe. No, but I mean, the, the idea that Villiers would have played in the first T20, for example, would have um, discounted the fact that Laura Marsh was England's best player in the Test match with the ball. In the in, certainly in the second inning. So I mean, I'm, I'm just making the point that I'm not it, saying it, it, she should have played instead of Laura Marsh. I'm just saying that England have had a tendency uh, to leave young, promising players on the sidelines and not have the guts to pick them. Um, and and Australia have been picking younger players and have got the rewards for it now. Yeah, well, got the domestic system Australia have been able to give these players yeah. an opportunity on a much bigger scale before they play for Australia. So Sophie Mullen is the best example of that. So she said part of the reason why she was so easily able to make the transition from playing domestic cricket to playing international cricket was that she'd been on TV all the time. Yeah. So this is it, isn't it? We're going to get to this stage in England cricket now. We've It's all come to a head. Claire Connor, the czar of English women's cricket, did a couple mm-hmm. of interviews before the second T20 in Hove a couple of days ago. And sure. She, she made the point that this is all coming down the pipeline as of 2020. It's just that they're five years behind Australia. So yeah, when they I, get the chance to win the Ashes next, who knows? I, I think if you've got a promising player in your squad and you've drawn the test match and you cannot get the ashes back there's nothing you can do that you know it's it's a waste to leave it to the last game to bring them in put put it that way um but you know i've made my thoughts clear you you know where i stand on this now we've we've um i I particularly liked in that england batting today that the tempo never dropped you know they, they were they weren't massive scores but everybody just made sure they kept it ticking and then i liked that winfield came in you know she'd be a bit stung because she wasn't playing in the yeah, 50 yeah. over games and you know was was the the opener there and had to come in in the middle order this time around and um and came in and did a job for them 26 off 22 not I think out she's had her role there winfield i mean she was the opener of such a long period of time in this sort of Robinson era version of the England mm. side alongside Tammy Beaumont. She was mostly opening in the T20 side as well, but then she got left out altogether pretty much from the moment of the last women's ashes and has came back via the middle order in the World T20 last year. And she's probably been the most impressive England bat through the course of these three games when you look at it 
on, on the whole. And like, yeah, I, maybe she has a second coming as a, a number six rather than being an, an opener alongside Beaumont. Very quickly, we have to mention Elise Perry because you have to. Player of the series, you would imagine, yes. But uh, player of the series with 378 runs across all formats at an average of 94 and a half. <laughs> 15 wickets at an average of 12.8. They're crazy that, numbers. That's like they're junior numbers. That's like yeah, the the one kid in the under thirteens who's really good, you know, and then everybody else. She now has more runs than anyone in a multi-format women's Ashes series. I mean, she didn't take as many wickets as Megan Shute did two years ago, but that's the third time on the trot she's won the Player of the Women's Ashes award as well. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous. She made sixty nine out of fifty balls today, and. Even then, had she had one player go with her, I reckon she would have pulled that off tonight. Yeah. Had, had Rachel Haynes not hold out, I reckon Haynes might have been the fifth wicket to fall. If Haynes doesn't fall then, I reckon they go on to win that game. Right. And and the way that Perry went, like she hit three sixes in that innings and, and each one of them, it was calculated, it was timing, yeah. it was like, you know, this, this has to go in this over. And she was just giving it enough just willing it over the field as it long on and um and you know she's got that range she can hit those those long balls but so she was trying to hold it together for australia i mean you know they ended up eight wickets down perry 60 not out and then uh, you healy's 28 at the top and then the other scores going down the card two two naught eight nine naught naught and eight not out megan shoot by the way um i, th- I think is um as Phil Long, the BBC statistician, noted, the, the only player to end an Ashes series with a strike rate batting for the series of 400. Uh, she faced two balls in the series, hit them both for four um, to end the series. That was her only her, her only time with the Willow. And maybe if they'd sent her it earlier, they would have done well. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, she's done well for the strikers in the women's big bash, coming in and giving it a, a whack around. But I suppose everyone's an all-rounder in this side, aren't they, really? They all do something other than their main discipline, which means that she has to come in at number 11 or number 10 or whatever it was. Yeah, and so, and so without, you know, someone else helping to put the pressure on, Perry couldn't do it on her own. And also England just bowled really well at the end. It was, it was, it seemed like Sophie Eccleston was bowling everything just full enough on that perfect length that meant that, that Perry couldn't get under it and hit it over the rope and um, or, or really get any traction on the ball. It was just dragged out for singles time and again. How about the Eccleston response to picking up Meg Lanning? I mean, they hadn't dismissed her for three 335 runs across six games in this format going back to what was it early 2016 or something like that yep and when Eccleston picks her up the response was outstanding she was completely stunned but she I put this in my report she shouldn't have been stunned because the two previous balls she'd beaten her on the outside edge collected her outside edge and then went past the inside edge leg before wicket it was a superb piece of bowling such a canny uh, finger spinner that she is and uh, yeah recognised accordingly uh, uh, by the umpire but yeah I, I thought that uh, that that response was quite telling I, I don't think they thought they could get Lanning out so no. that, that was a big psychological boost at the right time uh, and later on when she had to bowl that crucial penultimate over when you know there was still a chance Australia with Perry still there wickets in her last two balls I'm sure there'll be some people out there saying this is on a hat trick next time she bowls given that's become <laughs> a quite ridiculous argument inside the women's game which we should park really because there's no point going into it but needless to say there'll be some people out there who say that she's on a hat trick next time she bowls anyway just to reinforce that Eccleston has now been in the uh, national squad for what's her fourth summer so in terms of picking them young she came in at 17 she's well and truly the number one England spinner now she's left Alex Hartley in her wake. Uh, Laura Marsh is 
certainly behind her in the pecking order. Um, Danny Hazel retired during the off-season, so we've probably seen tonight who might be the spin twins for England for a long period of time. Who's to know? Who's to know? Um, look, I, I just like the energy that Maddie Villiers had out there. She yep. kind of, you know, just brought that extra little bit of enthusiasm. And, you know, England were switched on tonight in a way that they haven't been throughout the series. So, you know, good to see at least something, a, a bit of fight from them at the end. Quick question for you about the Australian bowling innings. Did they make a fairly big strategic blunder not bringing Perry back? who had two overs in the bank. Yeah. To bowl at Amy Jones. Amy Jones made 19 off 19 balls, I think, which in the scheme of the game is yeah. a fairly important contribution. Well, she had one big over where she yeah. made about 12, a couple of boundaries and a couple of twos and, and just kept things going in the middle before Brunt and Winfield came and tonked it around at the end um, and that was important and it was basically Australia being set in their plans that it wasn't Perry's time in the innings to bowl, therefore she couldn't bowl. Right. Um, but when you've got a player out, you know, Amy Jones in six white ball innings, she's made four ducks in this series. Um, one of the others she made five and then she made the 19 today so that was her only sort of half score of the series and it would seem pretty obvious to me that you know Perry had got her out like four of those five previous times um, having bowled ten balls that are in the in the white ball formats and got her out four times in ten deliveries yeah. with one scoring shot yeah maybe get her on it wasn't just Perry either it was Lamick who uh, had, had, had taken a wicket earlier on the wicket of you look at the scorecard in front of you remind me who it was it was Siva Siver, that's right. Caught down at third man. Great catch from Delissa Kimmins, but did her with extra pace. And I thought they might have given her an opportunity at Amy Jones, given that her footwork's been a bit dodgy early on. It wasn't to be, but they didn't bowl poorly. I didn't think no. they bowled poorly. There was a little bit of sloppy fielding. I think there was a couple of you know groups of four buys from Megan Shoot Yorkers that deceived both the, both the batter and the wicketkeeper Healy. But on the whole, it wasn't. I mean, they, I think they were pretty happy to. to, to be chasing 140 on a very good track. Yeah, and, and they would have backed themselves to get it, but it was just that um, level of restriction that, you know, managed to, um, once they got Mooney out, then they put the clamps on and um, and, and suddenly no one could quite get away. So uh, they had, you know, Perry only bowled two overs and, and Taylor Vellamick only bowled two overs as well. So um, it might have been some things they could have done differently on the field. But nonetheless, you, you had that sort of slightly odd scenario where England have won on the night, but Australia have won the series thumpingly and were presented with the trophy and did their celebrations and their champagne spraying and whatever, even though they hadn't won the game on the day, which always feels a bit odd. Well, but it was odd because uh, Meg Lanning was given the trophy and she didn't really hold it up. Like, I mean, I get I get it, like, you know, they've just lost the game, but she was quite modest about the way she received the trophy. Yeah. And in a way, it would, yeah, it would have been fitting had they had the chance to have gone through the celebratory process when they retained the, the Ashes, which would have been, well, I suppose after that would have test. been an anticlimax too, wouldn't it, down in Taunton? After the draw. After the draw and <laughs> test match. But you know what I'm trying to say? Like, had they yeah. found a way to have, um, you know, had the stage rolled out at a different point in the series? Because, yeah, it didn't quite have that celebratory feel. Although, I will add that Elisa Healy did pull them together at the side of the boundary line and, and remind them all they just achieved a, a fairly thumping win. Yeah. across you know five white ball games and of course the draw in the test match as well so the points margin ends up being what 12 4 12 4 yeah so it's you know by any measure it's one of the biggest results ever in the multi-format women's yep. ashes series which goes back what six or seven attempts now so you know credit where it's absolutely obviously due, due that they, they they should party hard tonight i mean well, they've earned it one thing i did notice was um Meg Lanning does a very good unimpressed face and she was doing a very unimpressed face on the podium when she got a couple of like gouts of champagne in her face from Elise Villani <laughs> on two occasions and right. she, she did not really look like she was enjoying being showered with 
Verve Clicquot at the time. <laughs> we, you know, and it's a bit of a waste of Verve Clicquot, isn't it? At least yeah. you should be drinking the stuff. But um, and, um, yeah. and then just before we move on from the, the, the Women's Ashes game tonight, Catherine Brunt, um, you know, crucial runs, three wickets with the ball, um, player of the match in a game that may very well be her final Women's Ashes game. It's likely she'll continue. I interviewed her after play when those celebrations were going on and put that to her, and she said that it'll be up to her, to her body um, how long she continues for. She's not considering retirement right now, and, and I understand that. She's such a competitor. She won't yep. want to go out on a, on a low, but I, I suppose there'll be the, the World T20, which is only five or six months away in February and March in Australia. But yep. it, it's unlikely, I would say, that she'll be around in two and a half years for the next version of the Women's Ashes in Australia. That So it does mean that after 15 years and eight Ashes series that the Barnsley Express might be coming to a halt, at least in these contests, yeah. and what a legacy she leaves. Well, the Barnsley Express has been slowing up as it uh, gets closer to the station, you know, over the last couple of years. So um, she's she's given pretty much all she's got to give, yeah. I think. And But, you know, as you saw from her, um, her power striking at the end of their innings today, she's st- still got a bit more to give. So hopefully we, we will see that in that shortest format where she's got room. Um, but uh, we, we've got to briefly look at Edgebaston yes. because it's all happening up there. We're on our way there right now. We'll be getting in at some ungodly hour of the morning and then waking up bright and early to go to the test match. And it's 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 Ashes Eve, Ashes morning. Yeah. It's um, it, it's starting a whole new thing that we've got to get excited about, and I'm sure we will as soon as we get there tomorrow and realise yeah, it's well, on. Yeah, well, this reminds me of the, the previous Ashes series, which ended in Canberra in 2017, and we, we nearly missed our flight to the to the game the next morning on the basis that we were working until yeah. about four. This time, at least Izzy we had Westbury. one day. At least we had one day between. It was preview <laughs> no, day the next true. day. But this time around, Izzy, Izzy Westbury, who uh, is a, a dear friend of the show, she's been on the final web before many years ago. Um, she, she's driving us from uh, yeah. from from one from one city to another up God the M5. You which is very kind of her. So we will be there for the first ball tomorrow. We heard Tim Payne say today, Jeff, that, that Edge Baston isn't in the 15 most intimidating venues that he's played at in international cricket. And given that he's only played at 18, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a good little, uh, quite a good little uh, <laughs> champing, if you like, of the, uh, of the venue. Well, look, I, I think the point he was making was that um, any place that you go and play away from home is intimidating and sure. and uh, dressing up one as being more than the others is is a bit overcooked but you know he's he's um, puncturing the balloon a bit and, and fair enough good on him for doing it because everybody's been pumping this thing up you know I, I've, I keep trotting out this line that they call Birmingham the Brisbane of the north you know they're, <laughs> they're like ooh it's the Gabba it's England's Gabba you're like no it's not uh, it really isn't it's not the same thing like you know what's the history here? About six years, you know. Let, they haven't it, lost a test here since two thousand and eight. Australia haven't yeah, won here since two thousand and eight. That's not that long ago. No, I remember two thousand and eight. <laughs> I don't remember nineteen eighty eight. The um, Tim Payne press conference was interesting, also for the the Winston Churchill moment, which I, I, didn't, I must say I didn't, I didn't see that coming. So the the quote that they've been um, sharing around the dressing room, thanks to Brad Haddon was that behaviour is... Behaviour doesn't lie. Behaviour doesn't lie. There you go. Behaviour doesn't lie. And But um, they quickly found out, uh, well, I say they, uh, members of the press pack, that that's one of those made-up Winston Churchill quotes. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, not to say that it isn't still valid, but um, we had an inspo quote last week that Justin Langer had hung up in his office via Elon Musk, and now we've got a fake Winston Churchill quote, which is being handed around. So, wow. 
you know, it, it, I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's certainly a point of interest. I'm really looking forward to when they get, you know, the Dorothy Parker out and the, you know, some, some, some classic um, live, love, Mavis or, West lines. Or maybe it's live, love, love laugh, laugh or whatever it is that you see. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Other Instagram classics like that. Yeah, uh, you know, the, every every journey starts with a single step. <laughs> um, you can't spell impossible without possible. Maybe just set over a nice picture of a lake, you know, yeah, a little yeah. sunset on a maybe like one silhouetted figure in a canoe. It's going to be the inspo quote Instagram ashes, I'm sure. I like, the, I like the inverse. I, I like the ones that go the other way, like the sort of Donnie Darko, like every living creature dies alone, that sort of thing. <laughs> That's more my speed. So we know that uh, England have, well, they've named their side. It doesn't preclude them from changing it on their team sheet, I should know. This is a point that our, our colleague. Um, ben Jones, another former um, uh, final word guest, has made quite a few times on Twitter. Why do you name your team the day before? And secondly, why don't you just change it? You, you know, I, I love that kind of uh, yeah. um, uh, that, that kind of tactical manoeuvre at the toss. Uh, we don't know who's playing for Australia yet. We do know that it's very unlikely Mitchell Stark will be there unless we're being completely duped. Um, we know that Pattinson's playing. We know that um, Siddle will probably play ahead of Josh Hazelwood. And um, we know that Pat Cummins will as well. We know Wade's number six. We know Cam Bancroft's opening. Or at least we think we do based on what we saw at training yesterday. So it's uh, quite a different side to the one that turned out in Canberra the last time that Australia played a test match. In fact, I think yeah. the only... There's only five players from that 11 who will be turning out tomorrow. Well, yeah, actually, if you think about it, all of those changes, Smith and Warner in as well. Yeah. It, it's, a busy, it's a busy time to be an Australian, but I suppose there's not much point speculating on who might be in it because by the time anybody's hearing this, <laughs> they'll probably know. <laughs> all right, well, that, that being the case, let's wrap up what's been, I should add, we're, we're, we're pretty wrecked and tired at the moment, but I tell you what, when we get to Birmingham in the morning, when we get to oh. Edgebaston for the first test, we'll be firing on all cylinders. Zero to 100. After play tomorrow night, we'll be sitting on the balcony somewhere telling you all about it on the final word, Ashes Daily. Today has been Birmingham Day Zero, Bristol Day, whatever it was. Tomorrow it'll be Edgebaston Day One. And we'll be here, of course, for Seabus Super, the industry fund who are going to be with us all the way through the course of this Ashes series. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon signing off somewhere near Birmingham. Tara. So you know what I meant here. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. Hundreds of thousands of us are building a future we can all be proud of. For over 34 years, the growth CBUS My Super option has returned an average of 9.29% per annum for its members while investing in projects that not only create jobs, but something better. CBUS for all of us. To consider if CBUS is right for you, go to cbussuper.com.au for a PDS. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.